You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here we go, Sherry. One, two, three. Let Sherry baby rock your soul. She's gonna help you break the mold. She's super magic, truth be told. Ooh, oh, oh, oh. Got lots and lots of musical glow. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Cause and Effect. I guess the reason why I call it fantastic is because I feel so privileged that the people that I'm interested in connecting to and speaking with are joining me on this platform to talk about some of the things that matter to me the most in our current climate. Um, so welcome, everybody. I'm, I'm so excited to introduce you to somebody that I've been admiring for some time. Carlita, thank you. Yeah. For, thank you thank for you. being here. Can you, would you do me a favor, even to just start the conversation, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, where, where did you grow up? Did you go to school to do musical theater? How did you end up in the theater community proper? And then I got, yeah. ju- and then I got juicy questions to ask you after that. <laughs> just sort of, how, how did you come into the musical theater community as a, as a performer? How, how did you find your way here? I am first just grateful to be having this conversation with you. Um, but I started, I started out at UNCG in North Carolina, um, dancing in the dance program. Oh. And, uh, yeah. And then I went on tour with Baba Chuck Davis, who I have loved. So for so many years. And then when I moved to New York, I saw that it was a very different world. And, um, I moved into the theater world and, um, during that, along that journey, it was very much, um, at first before I knew anything, it was like, it was easy and fun. And I was just honestly having a good time because I didn't know the rules of the game. And as time went on and I started learning those rules, like you must do this, you must look this way. You must be this in the room. You must, um, fit into these boxes, all of those things um, really started to weigh really heavily on me. And I developed this, um, a a deep anxiety. And that was from auditioning and also from other things. 
Right. Um, it was like it was all catching up to you because yes. what you were saying is you were raised in an environment where you didn't know that you had to code switch in an audition room. You didn't know that you had to change who you were as a human being in order to be considered. Right. And it was a very different world for me. And just trying to acclimate myself to the musical theater world as a black woman was a very it was a very difficult process and something that I feel like we we do every single day. Well, when you came into the musical theater community and there you are, you're with, you know, 200, three other brown, brown and black women. Right. And in musical theater, they put you through a filter. We're looking for a black person. Right. That yeah. was, that's the filter, yeah. <laughs> right? Nothing about your personality, nothing about qualities of who you are, what, you know, you just know that you're in a filter with a bunch of other people that are the same, that are different, different hues, different vocal qualities, different emotional lives, all black. Right. So yeah. that alone is to me, I can't even imagine what that would do to someone knowing that there isn't an, even an opportunity to have your own individuality, to have your own sense of identity. So you can't, was this right out of school that you went into the musical theater community as a dancer? I was a concert dancer, I think for, I was on tour for a year and then I moved to New York as a concert dancer for one year before I started doing musical theater. Is the concert dance world more uh, conscious and understanding of race and and the experience that Black people have? Hmm. That is a great question. I feel like everyone's experience has probably been different. But the dance companies that I was touring with, they were Black dance companies. Okay. So, so they, <laughs> yeah. So it was like being with family. Family. Which is a very different thing than when you go into the musical theater world and everyone is not Black at all. And did you find, whoa, I'm going right to a really deep question that I would love to ask you. Thank you for letting me go here right away because I feel like we got to just, I, I'm so excited to share these thoughts and feelings. Did you find that the Black uh, female identified performers that you were competing with in, in musical theater were being cutthroat and competitive and were you finding it harder to find community and family with other Black musical theater actors or did you find that because the white community was such a um and i, I want to an enemy <laughs> um that that you actually did take the have the ability to find friends and community uh despite the environment that you've had to survive in i feel like i've actually been able to be in more of a community um Good. even i mean from then to now i feel like we really look out for each other and right. it in the beginning, I think it was hard to, to join in and say like, Hey sis, I need help. Like, I don't know how to create a book. I don't know what songs are good for me. I don't know who to reach out to. Um, but literally walking into an audition room, that's, you know, 99% white and seeing that one other black girl, Hey girl, it's like, now I feel, yeah, you, you release there. And every yeah. time I've done that, it's always been a very welcoming situation. She's Great. always been like, hey, let me help you out. I see that you're new here. Great. And that has been such a beautiful thing. Thank God. Because I feel like, you know, there are places in all of us in the community where we we're incredible and where we have to grow. I find that my experience is that white women can be really competitive and rough with each other. 
And then it's sometimes it's every man for every woman, every man for himself, where I'm the kind of person that's like, take my hands and let's just do this together. This is too hard, you know? And so, but it's because it's been so hard to be even be a white woman in our minds because we have to compete with a white man, you know, the double whammy of being, well, hey, I'm a woman and I'm black. So <laughs> that's like, a, you know, that's a whole nother thing. So going back to where, and thank you for just letting me just ask questions as we speak. Yeah. Um, as you were in the musical theater community and you started catching the vapors and the anxiety, uh, did it grit? And you were saying, and there were other things as well. Was there something that in you that felt like, Oh, I got to go get some help or, Oh no, it's not appropriate for me to get help. Where were you in terms of your awareness of that being help is a good thing, um, as opposed to a bad thing? It took me a long time, years actually, um, to reach out for help. I thought at first I was like, oh, these are just growing pains. I'm learning the business. This is just how it goes. Like I have to acclimate myself and I have to just suck it up and I just have to get used to it. And nerves are nerves and they're just nerves. And I would be going into the room and about to sing and out, out of nowhere, just it was like the air was taken out of me. And it was almost like everything that I had prepared for completely gone. And I've been in situations where I'll be in a callback and I will have um, the callback sides in my hand yet. And still it was like, when I look at them, the words are completely fuzzy. And that, that level of anxiety, when that kept happening, I said, oh, this can't continue because no one gets to see what I've been working on. So your artistry was being, I don't want to use this word because I actually don't respond to this word, but, but so the black, I won't say, I was going to say sabotaged, but your artistry was not being allowed to come through because your anxiety was saying, I have to come through. Like your anxiety was its own person going, I, okay, this is my audition. And I'm announcing itself. Yeah. Right. Announcing itself in the room. I'm like, excuse me. I I coached for this. <laughs> I'm more than prepared. And yet and still, it's it's like the words are completely blurry and I it's like I've lost everything. And I know I know that I'm better than that. And I had to say to myself, Carlita, you have to go and get help because you can't you can't continue to walk into something that you're completely prepared for and not not be able to walk out saying I did my best work. Carlita, I think it's really, really important that you say that because one, uh, the anxiety do, uh, does not discriminate, right? It's something that is real in all of us. True. But I do, I, but I do believe from my from the the women that I've been intimate with that are black, they have shared with me that it is and it is not in it is not. I don't know what word I would use. Uh, if you're black, going to therapy tends to be something that is not what your family encourages. Yes. So it can be very taboo. Can you talk a little bit about that uh, just so that we can understand what the taboo is? Right. Absolutely. I feel like more and more now it's being more widely accepted. But I mean, for a while, for years and years, we would see even on sitcoms, especially black sitcoms, um, 
that if someone even mentioned therapy, they would say, oh, no, no, not me. Therapy, no. Oh, no, I'm not crazy. I remember watching an episode of Living Single, which is one of my favorite shows. It's a great show. (laughs) Yes. And Khadijah was going to a therapist in sunglasses and a wig. Because in our community, if you're going to therapy, people think of you as quote unquote crazy. And a lot of us grew up that way. We grew up that way with our families. We grew up that way in churches. We grew up just saying, hey, oh, let me just pray this away. Oh, as long as I have a roof over my head and I have food on the table, girl, you have nothing to complain about. A lot of us, that's just our community is so used to having to be strong. And Black women especially are so used to having to be the nurturers for everyone else, to having to be the strong ones for everyone else, um, that it ends up being a situation where there's no time left for you to care for yourself. Or if you were to step out to go care for yourself, then you're judged for that because you you should be caring for other people. Um, And it takes a lot to break through that and say, no, like if I'm not caring for myself, I cannot care for you, period. I just can't. You know, it's so interesting because I talked about this in another um, podcast, Ayanla, Ayanla Van Sant. I'm not, I'm probably saying her last name wrong. She, she said something and it completely changed my life in terms of how I take care of my mental health, which she said, my cup runneth over and whatever runneth over is for you. Yes. Whatever in the cup is mine, whatever Mm -hmm. runneth over is for you. And when what's in the cup is mine, it just keep running over, right? It's a never ending flow if I'm filling the cup first. And I'm Mm -hmm. hearing you, I'm hearing you say that women, particularly women in the black community have to carry the entire burden and it makes them seem weak if they want to take care of themselves to better carry the burden. Exactly. And the burden should not even be on the woman entirely in the first place. So then there's that. So, and then you're saying your family say when you're having trouble to pray Mm -hmm. and that God will take that from you. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you and feel? How do you, is, feel about, how do you feel about that, Carly? Well, I, I am religious and I am a Christian, and I yeah. very much do. I, I very much feel. I, I I have faith, and I know yeah. that there is um, a certain level of prayer that is is always going to be great for me. Right. But there's absolutely no reason why I cannot also go to therapy. There's no reason why I cannot also trust in a mental health provider to to give me the tools that I need in order to survive. Right. And the fact that you said that is similar to me. Um, and it's funny because I call myself a Jew for Jesus because I love him. And um, but it's so interesting because I think for me, it's like it's as 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 a person who is spiritual. I can believe in God, but God's like, you got to do your work, honey, or else I can't do mine. You want me to move your life along? You got to show up and meet me with your change and with your self-understanding or else it's not going to change. It's like it it takes two hands to clap and it's you and God, right? It's you and whatever's up there. It's you and whatever's out there that's looking out for you, right? So to me, I think what you're saying is, yes, of course, prayer, prayer plus Self-care <laughs> mm-hmm. you have a, to take action. a healthy person. The only time that I so far have noticed in the world at all, outside of our theater community, 
um, anybody talking about the mental health of people of color is my famous person crush, Taraji P. Henson, my famous person crush. She's, I guess I would call her a soap actress. I don't know. No, well, she's not a soap actress. She got her start on the soap. Um, and then she was in obviously many incredible movies. Um, but to me, she started, well, she started a mental health, uh, organization. I think that she dedicated to her dad, if I remember this correctly, Yes. but she is the only person that I've seen in the public eye that has ever mentioned the fact that, you know, we've been oppressed for 400 years. <laughs> we're continuing to be oppressed and we still have to carry the weight of everything. We're not allowed to grow. We're not allowed. And then we have to hold it all in and try to, um, try to surpass what everybody's done. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot of work to have yeah. to be constantly working on yourself, but also helping everyone else. And I do love, I love her foundation, the Boris Lawrence Foundation. They have offered free resources and free therapy to the black and brown community, which I think is amazing. Um, there are uh, some other black celebrities that do speak about their own mental health. It is, I wouldn't say there's a lot, but there are, there are a few. And then we, um, there are some, some organizations and foundations that I can, I can send you a list of that are some of my favorites that I feel like have helped me a lot. Um, are, are they on that wonderful list that you send out to people when they register on your site? Yes. Okay, great. So let's use this as a cool transition to talk about your foundation. If you don't mind, Carlita, you have taken your work, personal work, your mental health work, um, and you have learned or you are learning to, um, to pour from a fuller cup. Carlita, before we talk about this delicious foundation that you've created, um, I feel like I have to be moved to ask if you've had an experience on uh, medication. Uh, I, I've been on medication um, and I just upped my medication when the pandemic happened and it's been a real lifesaver for me. And I just wanted to, to uh, ask you if you've had any experiences with it or if you found that there's been any time that it's been helpful for you. Absolutely. So it took me a while to admit to myself that I might need further help and the one thing that really launched me into that was um, I witnessed a murder. And after that happened, I could not sleep. I was barely eating. I just was not myself. And honestly, that is the thing that launched me into seeking medication. Although I honestly definitely needed it before that happened. So at that point, I started medication for anxiety and was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And as you know, there's always this process of making sure you have the right dosage and, you know, that you're taking it and that it's it works for you. There's this back and forth checking in how, you know, every two weeks, is it working? Right. Should we try something different? Should we up the dosage? Should we lower the dosage? <laughs> there's this, you know... <laughs> It's a process. <laughs> right. And it's like side effects, no side effects. Like, right. that's what I noticed the first time I, w I went on medication. It was just like, you got to just wait and see what happens. Right. And, but the point is, is that um, it is, or it was, and it has been, I have, I would say a lifesaver because we think I can handle it. I'm strong. And it's like, but what medication has given to me is it softened the edges so I can address my issues softer. 
and solve problems easier and address things more head on. And I think because at least this is at least what I'm interpreting, we can't, as anybody who is not black, we cannot fathom the depth of the things that you have to work through once you've realized you're carrying too much. And so to me, I just wanted to hear that you've had an experience with it. And eventually, can, did you have a, did you find one that clicked and helped? I did. I did find one that, um, that worked for me and, but it took honestly a few years. I'm not going to lie. Um, but it's been worth it. I, I regret nothing. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I recommend to anyone, um, who, who is struggling and needs something to, I mean, it, it has helped me. It saved my life. I'm not going to lie. Mine too. And I'm, I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah. I think there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being on meds. Um, and it, for me, it's been more of a, a daily acceptance, I think. And I also am just not a good pill taker. (laughs) (laughs) So it's something that you've had to commit to it because you know what it does. Right. And you just, yeah, exactly. And I'm not, I'm not currently on, um, meds. I am currently off of them. Um, my, um, psychiatrist and I, we slowly lowered my dosage. Fantastic. Um, and a big part of that was that I was having so much trouble remembering to take them that, and and you know, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, it's It's not good for you. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that I think is really important is there is a world that I want everybody to understand that there are there are times where your chemicals in your noodle and the way you're built, um, just medication just helps, period, right? It kind of like levels all your goodies out. And then sometimes you have trauma and crisis that you have to work through. And that medication serves to be a buffer, just like I said, that allows you the opportunity to work through with some grace and some softness and kindness. So that's what's cool is that if you find you're in a crisis now, this doesn't mean it's a forever thing, one. Two, you know, meditation, medication. There's a lot of different ways that you can take care of yourself. I mean, I I have PTSD, so I go to EMDR and I get treated for that and I'm on medication and, you know, and 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 I'm in regular therapy. And to me, it's like whatever it takes for you to be your, to be okay in the world, do it, do it. Whatever it takes. takes. Exactly. Because it is just not worth the suffering, especially Mm -hmm. if it's, if it is as generational as 400 years of suffering. And I think that, and, and then some, you know, when you know that, that it's in your cells and in your bones, why not just help yourself get it out of your body and, and in our hands so we could take it from you and then, <laughs> and then you can heal. Let's talk about the darkness rising project because I am, I'm not, I'm like, I want to say I'm nuts about you, but I don't want to use the word nuts, but in the best way, I, I, I'm so fond of you. Tell me how the darkness rising project was born. So Darkness Rising is a 501c3 nonprofit, which was created for Black mental health. And I created it so that we would have a safe space to talk about uh, Black mental wellness and um, so that we would have access to resources so that um, artists could come together and use it as a form of activism. And the and the way that it was created was I was in a show and um, 
I was having the time of my life on stage. But for some reason, every night after the show, when I would go home, I was so depressed, so anxious, and I was feeling suicidal. And I just could not figure out why I was having great days and and rough nights or why every time I was alone, I was miserable. Um, And that went on for months. And I reached out for help. Um, I tried to reach my doctor back home. I tried to reach... um, Uh, I tried to get in touch with a therapist. No one wanted to take me on. No therapist would see me. No psychiatrist would see me. Um, And that was because I was a risk because I told them that I was having um, some suicidal ideation and no one wanted to take that risk. So um, because no one wanted to take me, I was, I felt even more alone and I felt even more suicidal. Somehow I made it through that show. And honest to God, I really feel like the show and my cast really saved me. Wow. And ev- and every night I would say, you know what? I'm going to stay alive another day because I'm going to do the show. And um, after the show wrapped, I uh, was able to see a therapist. I started seeing a psychiatrist and I got a therapy dog. And, <gasps> you did? Uh, yes, That's crazy. I did. I did. And she changed my life um, because I was then forced to stand up and take walks and go outside, which I honest to God could not even I couldn't even get out of bed before that. And I decided to I decided, well, if I was in this situation, then certainly someone else was in this situation. There's no way that I'm the only person who's going through depression right now. There's no way I'm the only person who's uh, alone. And there's no way I'm the only person who was afraid to reach out for help because in our community, it's so taboo to reach out for help. So I said, you know what? I want to create something to help people and let them know that it's okay to reach out and that there's a community standing behind you. And there's, that there's a community who's creating access to resources just for you with culturally competent therapists. And that's, that was the beginning. Culturally competent therapists. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah. Now, when did you create this, Carlita? When did this, when, when did it, when, did, when was, when was the baby born? <laughs> <laughs> the baby was born in, <laughs> in uh, December, 2017. Wow. But that was, that was mostly just me writing frantic notes about what I wanted to create. And then yes. in January, um, I gathered 
about 20 to 25 of uh, some of my Broadway friends who are amazing singers. And we uh, created an album and we went into the studio and we created an album full of inspirational music. And I picked each song, which and they were all songs that have helped me through my worst and roughest nights. And then I picked I picked, you know, friends that I know could sing them into the ground. And <laughs> because I knew I said, you know what, my friends voices have helped me through some of my worst nights. And if, if their voices are helping me, their voices can help someone else. And it started off as just an album. And then we said, well, well, we worked so hard on this album. We should we should have a concert. And at that concert, we should have, you know, we should give our own testimonials about our own experiences with mental illness and what we've been through. And we should we should partner with uh, a mental health provider, a black mental health provider and see how we can help people. And it just grew from there. Oh, my God. (laughs) And this was this past January or January, which January? January that was January 2018. 2018. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so yeah, because I'm like, you have been, if you've done all of this since this January, you've been <laughs> no, busier no. than I. Okay, so then when that happened, and I believe I've seen James Roberts' picture around here and there. Oh, yeah. My honey. Um, Love him. Oh, an angel. Um, uh, sitting on a puffy cloud. Yes, he's um, just great. Right? Um, so since that happened, you have been building this, um, like, I want to know, when did it become a not-for-profit? What are your plans as a not-for-profit? Tell me a little bit about how you want to keep, what your dreams and fantasies are. And tell me about how much being in service in this way helps those moments for you. Um, knowing that you're creating something that helps other people, you know, everybody always says, you just got to focus out. You just got to focus out. And I'm like, yes, I focus out a lot. Actually, I have to focus in (laughs) and and, and rearrange my furniture a little bit. (laughs) Right. 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 (laughs) And that, so that's how I get healthier, right? Not focusing out, focusing in because then I focus out better. So when I guess my questions are, when did it move just from being this sort of creative space for you to ask your friends to really heal with you? If you don't mind my saying it, that's kind of what it sounds like, right? Yeah, that's exactly what it yeah. is. Um, when did you realize, oh, this is a, this is a not-for-profit. This is much, this is not just being artistic and healing. This is actually a global this could be a global movement. Yeah. Um, we became a not-for-profit about a year and a half ago, I want to say. Yeah. And um, we decided to go ahead and take that step because we were trying to create access to resources. And we realized that the only way we could create resources uh, for the community was to be able to partner with providers and to be able to um, create our free wellness workshops. And how could we make our our wellness workshops free, we needed to be able to accept donations. Otherwise we can't provide free resources for people. Wow. And so did you, did you go through fractured Atlas? Uh, Was it, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, they're they're wonderful. I just love them. We did, we started off through fractured Atlas and um, we actually, in the very beginning, the very first few months or the first year, I would say we started off with just a GoFundMe. 
Um, oh. And that was the, I mean, that was the, you know, that was the beginning. Yeah. We started off with a GoFundMe and then we, um, Fractured Atlas became our fiscal sponsor. And then we became a 501c3 nonprofit. And now, so now we can accept our own donations. And now we use those donations to create free wellness workshops, which we have several times a month. And what's James Robert? He, Roberts, he, um, he's our, our yoga guy. Yoga. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> he's amazing. Um, and so we do these, we do our wellness workshops. We create our music and mental health video series. Um, we create the, um, mental health resource packet. We do live shows and, um, we partner with mental health providers as a, as a means of creating more resources for the community. And I want to say congratulations, because can you share the grant that you just got, which is so yes. wonderful? It's incredible. <laughs> uh, we're super excited. We actually just received two grants, and I I know it's so exciting. <laughs> um, so we received a, a $20,000 grant from, <laughs> from Lloyd's, and then we received a $10,000 grant from Goldbelly. And oh my God. honestly, it has, we just received these grants and we already had a budget that we knew we couldn't reach everything, every goal of this budget. And when we received these grants, we said, oh, we can, we can reach our goals. So we just, <laughs> we're, uh, we just launched our uh, Black Mental Health Provider Database which is now on our website Wonderful. and we're accepting new providers every day. And they just, um, black mental health providers can, um, upload all of their information and then, um, clients who are seeking a therapist, you can just go online and you can search with your insurance. You can search with, um, do you want, um, an LGBTQ specialist? Do you want a black woman? Do you want, you know, you can search, all different types of ways to see, because I, I was getting so many just text messages from friends just saying, Hey, can you help me find a black gay male therapist? And I was like, we need a way to find this. And it, yes. and it should be easy for people because finding a therapist is already such a difficult process because first you have to take the step of, of saying, I want help. I want help. That's number one. Yeah. And then once you say, I want help, you have to say, oh man, wow, the research involved, that's, it's a lot of research. No one wants to go through all those steps. It should be easier to find a therapist. It should be easier to get help. Absolutely. And it's also, it's so costly. And I think that makes a lot of people turn away from it because it's like, oh my God, I can't afford therapy, you know? Right. And then we have to be able to say you can, because there are people who will make it possible for you. You know, when I first started therapy, when I was 19 years old, I found this place in the city called NIP, which had like a training program. And when their graduates graduate from being psychotherapists, you pay 25 bucks and you start with a beginner psychotherapist. And that was my first therapist. And she was awesome. And I paid $25 and it does That's exist. I, yes, but it does exist, but you've got to make the effort to go. I, I had to go, I found it, you know? Yeah. And, and, and what you've done is you've, you've taken all the effort out by saying here, just click here. You've already done three quarters of the work just by clicking on this link. Yeah. And that's, that's the goal is to be able to link people to those resources and just make it easier for people. There's something that you said earlier. I want to go back to, if you don't mind just to follow up, because I'm curious about it. 
Um, and then, um, and then I want to speak to, uh, the current, the current state of our world and what you would, and what you feel and what you encourage, but let's go back to the original question that I, that you had spoken on. And I wanted to ask about it. You had said one, it had taken me years to even say I need help. And then it took me years to find the right, um, medication and all that stuff. Did you, because this is true of me and true of a lot of people that I know who work with a mental illness, I was misdiagnosed. I I was diagnosed similarly to you with general anxiety disorder. And I was just, you know, called a neurotic Jew. (laughs) You know, my ancestors were made into soap. It's in my, our blood cells and in my system. And we carry that and I carry that, right? Um, and so we were just always working on my generalized anxiety disorder, but I always felt like I had this other thing that didn't, couldn't ever get resolved. And it wasn't until I was 40 that I went to a doctor and I said, I feel like I'm in my, my, I feel like my claws are in the ceiling. Like I'm on high alert always. And they were like, well, has anything bad ever happened to you? And I was like, yeah, pick one, which one do you want? You know, and then I told him and he goes, honey, you have CPTSD. That's what this is. And then I went into the process of treating it. So if I had been treated, if I had been diagnosed with PTSD when I was 19, I might have had a different process. And my process with medication might have even been different because it wasn't generalized anxiety disorder. It was PTSD. So it was a nervous system my nervous system needed to be addressed, not figuring things out. They're, they're different. And trauma, which I think is a huge thing here, lives in the nervous system. And, and when we were talking about the anxiety coming out and being like, all right, I'm going to do this, my musical number for you. It's literally like when your nervous system takes over and says, okay, I'm playing the role of Carlita. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to act out of trauma, <laughs> you know? Right. So I wanted to ask you, did you have the same situation? Did you find that you were working on it to the best of your abilities, but you knew there was more? And then especially because you actually watched a murder that if you had any before, that's going to put you over the edge, right? So did you find that your diagnosis changed with your life? And that was partially why the medication and the doctors and all that stuff took a while for you to finesse. Yes, actually, a- absolutely. Um, when I first started on on medication, and when I right after that murder, I um, when I went to the doctor, I didn't see a therapist. I just saw you know your your general family oh. doctor. So you know, there's not any real mental health help that's going to happen there. It's just hey this is, I'm going to give you this and, you know, I hope it helps you through your days. And I that hope it was, helps. Yeah. yeah. Like, good luck to you. Like, good luck. But, um, and, and, and nor, nor did that doctor say, perhaps you should, you should see a therapist. Like that conversation never happened. And I did not willingly go and see a therapist until probably years later when the next traumatic thing happened. And, and, and until, you know, I was in these auditions and it just over and over again, the anxiety kept stepping into the room. And so when, when I then started the new process of finding the right medication, because the other one wasn't really helping. Right. um, And then finding the right therapist, finding the right psychiatrist, all these things, it was, 
it was quite a journey because first you have to accept okay, I have been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder, depression, and PTSD. Those are my, uh, that's what I was diagnosed with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I, first you have to take those things into account and say, okay, I'm accepting this. This is where I am. And now this is what I want to do in order to um, become, you know, as healthy as I can be and happier as, as I'm experiencing these things. Um, and I'm going to be super honest. The process of um, finding the right therapist and being in therapy has been very helpful and, and a great journey. But the process of finding the right psychiatrist was honestly the one thing that almost took me off my meds completely. And I almost at that point gave up completely on medication because I had such a terrible experience with someone who was asking me to take medication. And I feel like I, you're asking me to tell you all my secrets, but I don't feel comfortable with you. So it's a very different relationship than the relationship you have with your therapist. That's right. And it was very, it was very difficult for me. I'm really, really glad that I stuck with it. And I'm really glad that I found the medication that was right for me. But I will have to say that it really took a lot for me to um, say I'm going to really commit to finding the right medication because my I didn't feel like my psychiatrist really cared about me. And that was only my personal journey. Mm-hmm. But I imagine all the other clients that could have been feeling the same way and gave up completely. Right. And I think that the, that the work around this actually is that the psychiatrist, just as the therapist, you have to find the right person for you because they're working with you on the chemicals of your body. So it, yeah. it's an intimate relationship. And I bet nobody told you that. I did not. I did not realize that. And it's such an intimate thing. And then as a performer, we're out of town a lot. Right. So I, I need to be able to trust you enough to know that when I come back, you didn't forget everything I told you or, you know, there's there's a lot of factors when you're a performer and you're experiencing a mental illness. And I love this because, again, it's like I can't even imagine uh, at this point in time. I mean, with what happened with with George Floyd and I do believe it took a pandemic for people to have to actually address racism. It took people having to be shut up and shoved in their houses to look at it. And that the universe, not that this should have ever happened, but put his murder on television for all the world to see really how bad it is. And I really do believe that there is a sense of the world that we just looked the other way all the time. And I do believe that I feel as, as much of an ally as I am, I feel living in the city and being in our community, I feel like I've been living in a bubble. I, I actually thought we were doing better. I thought we were doing better. And wow, was I wrong. I was doing better. I was growing as an ally. My friends cared. But it, it, we, we just had to be 
we had to be punched in the face with the reality of what you your community has go to, has gone through and we saw it and this is the first time actually that i feel like we're taking the black lives matter movement seriously do you agree absolutely i i absolutely agree i feel like i remember uh when trayvon martin was killed and i remember being the only black person in the cast and being the only person like weeping and distraught and who could I go to and who could I talk to and who could understand what I was going through. And that was years ago. And now we jump to now. And when, you know, the world has seen George Floyd murdered on TV and there's this eye-opening experience for the world. And I'm thinking I've, I've felt this way for years. I've, I've witnessed this for years. Right. And, and even though this may be your, your first, you know, experience with it, we've been saying this for years. Well, it was when that murder happened, when you were in that show, that's when it started, isn't it? I mean, isn't that when the Black Lives Matter movement started? I think that's when the move, the movement the itself movement started. Itself, yeah. But I mean, it's, but this has been going on as long as we've all been alive. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, and, and well before we were alive. Yes. <laughs> right. You know, um, I, I mean, and I mean, humans on the planet, that's how long mm-hmm. it's been going on. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So what's when that happened, there's this world right now where it's open. We're looking, the industry is listening. Um, you know, our friends are using their power in the industry to change conversations. The conversations are changing. Um, we're learning as allies that we need to shut up and let everybody express themselves first and just get ourselves ready when they need, when your community is ready for us, we we just have to be ready to support in whatever way you need. I think that that we understand that, but I think my concern, and I know this is the truth is that we've got to keep it moving. It's open, it's open, but we've got to keep it moving. And there is a, le- there was a level of performative, um, allyship that was going on in the moment. And so I feel like what I want you to do right now is I would love to say, or I ask you, you know, now that we're, we're here, you know, if, what would you like to ask of us as allies and what would you like to say about the black community and what we need to know about how to be here during this time? Is there anything that you could offer past us just doing our homework, figuring it out, having conversations, listening, being present? What, what else do you want us to know so that we can care for the mental health of our black friends? So as the black lives matter movement is happening and progressing, uh, What I would really encourage our white allies to do and understand is that although this may be new for that community, it's not it's not at all new to us. It's something that we experience every day It's something that as we are walking into our workplace, doing our shows um, is something that doesn't go away. And the fear that comes along with being pulled over by the police, that's something that that does not go away for us at all. And so. Yes, we have been seeing a lot of perform performative activism online, but I've also I also have many friends who are truly um, being activists offline, Same. and Same. that has been honestly 
one of the most beautiful experiences that I've seen happen during this. And I just, I don't want it to end. Right. I want it to continue because um, although we're currently in a pandemic and now um, a lot of us have more time on our hands to commit to this, um, you know, what about next year around this time? If the same thing happens, will we still march out in the streets? Will we still be there, especially for our black women? Will we be there for our trans community? Yes. That to me is what is vital right now um, to stand up for for our trans community and for our our black women, because a lot of times you will see people march in the streets and protest for a, a black man, but not for a black woman. And our girls are disappearing. That these are things that I feel as a black woman, as a black woman are just very pressing issues. I, I am so appreciative that you mentioned that to me, um, the, the, the way that uh, trans <laughs> people are being disposed of as human beings is, is a shock. It's shocking. And so I think what you're asking us to do is to know that this has been a lifetime that you've been experienced and not to look to you as if you're have experiencing it now for the first time, but to have a greater right. understanding that it's been going on for so long that it's going to take time to change and it's our job in whatever way we can, because I agree with you, my, the, the, those who are surrounding me have been incredibly incredible in their allyship. Um, but I, but I do say that there was a moment where I'm like, wow, my feed got quiet. My feed got quiet. And I wanted to be like, why is my feed quiet? And I think, and the answer was, is that people were like, it isn't because I want it to be quiet. I posted about a stuff, bunch of stuff. I shared a bunch of stuff. And now I don't know what to do next. And that has that was why I was asking you is to me, they were like, what do we do now? We want to keep helping. And so my thought is, my God, um, learn more about the black culture and learn how to appreciate and learn how to, you know, when you're singing 50s and 60s music, you know, learn uh, a Diana Ross song and appreciate her and celebrate her when you sing. You know, there's ways that we can artistically lift our community as artists, as innovators, as type A people. You know, we could come up, we could use all of our skills and lift the people who deserve to be lifted. And so I think that what you're saying, Carlita, is to just know that it's just time to start taking care of you. Absolutely. And I think that the more we amplify Black voices, the better things will get. And if you, and the main thing that I would like for you to ask, what would you like our black family who's listening and <laughs> is hearing you speak so openly about, uh, and by the way, thank you very much for speaking openly about thinking about taking your life. I have also, and I'm just starting to wrap my brain around speaking about it. So your courage just gave me more courage. Thank you. <laughs> um, but to speak, these are going to be people who are hearing somebody speak more openly than they've ever heard somebody speak. And so first, I want to say thank you for your grace. But two, what message would you like to have for those people who are listening or for anybody who is scared to take this step? What would you like for them to know? Black folks, I really want you to know that we have to take care of ourselves. It's our right. It's our duty to take care of ourselves. Um, and if we don't take care of ourselves, we will not have anything to offer anyone else. 
it is so important that as we see the world taking our culture and taking the things that we create, and as, as much as that often hurts, if, if we don't take care of, of ourselves, it, that pain will just continue and we'll never be able to heal. So I would say invest in the time that you spend with yourself, invest in your own self-care, um, invest in the love that you give to other people and the love that you show yourself and show up for yourself on the days that you don't feel like going to therapy. I've had those days go to therapy anyway, anyway, go to therapy anyway, because it will be the best choice that you can make for yourself. Um, yeah, spend time, spend time with you. That's the best thing that I could say to our community. And where can people find you and the, and your resources so that they can take your uh, offerings and move themselves forward with them? Where can, where can everybody find you to appreciate you and to grow from you and with you? Darkness Rising can be found at darknessrisingproject.org. The database is all is also there under mental health resources. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Darkness Rising Project and on Twitter at Dark Rise Project. And my personal page is uh, It's Carly DeVee everywhere online. And I'm always happy to share any resources that I can offer and any, um, any helpful, if you just need some someone to just be there, someone to just talk to. I'm always down. Absolutely. And this is why I think you're one of the coolest people I've met in a long time. Likewise. Alita, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. And I'm very excited for the people who get to experience you like I have. Thanks again for being you. And thank, thank you. you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, everybody. everybody. It's Sherry Sanders. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause and Effect. Cause and Effect is part of the Broadway Podcast Network, produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, edited by Kyle Moore, and music by Courtney Bassett and Andrew Swackhammer of Starbird and the Phoenix. Special thanks to Stephen Farizzi. Thank you. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you stream. You should also follow me on Instagram <laughs> at Rock the Audition. And to learn more, visit bpn.fm backslash cause and effect. Peace. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.